Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. Um, and today we're continuing Carpenter Month, um, as, as would be expected. And today we have an interesting Carpenter movie um, from the man himself. And I kind of forgot that he made this one. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's it's like it's in the later part of his career, definitely. What what most people would argue as like on the the lesser half of his career. Yeah, the denouement um, of his career. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's true. Actually, <laughs> this does serve as a as a good denouement to um, because I mean he had the heights of like that period in the eighties when we've alluded to this, like when he did the thing, he did um, Big Trouble in Little China, he did the Fog the fog he did a uh, halloween like all, all those yeah. classics and then he had a downward swing for a bit but then he kind of had a little bit of an uptick with things like prince of darkness and um in the mouth of badness both right. of which are very good um in this one i wouldn't put it in that tier um certainly not the tier of like halloween or or the thing no nor um, is it in the tier of uh, in the mouth of madness or no yeah it's... no 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 um but it's not quite Ghost of Mars territory either. No, no. It's not like F tier. It's maybe like C tier. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, so, yeah, the movie we're doing today is Village of the Damned, a uh, 1995 movie. Um, remake of a movie from 1960. Same thing. K- kind of like The Thing, um, Like right? Like he remade The Thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Thing is a remake of, of a 50s film. Yeah, called the um, thing so from outer space, mm-hmm. and that in turn was um, adapted from a short story. Yeah, much like Village of the Damned, this one was ma- a remake of the '60s film, which was um, based on a '57 novel uh, called *The Midwich Cuckoos* by John Wyndham. Cuckoos, like cuckoos, like, like the bird cuckoos. Okay, well, the origin of the word "cuck" actually <laughs> that that is true. But um, in in Zelda games, there are the cuckoos okay the birds that are they're basically just chickens but they're called cuckoos oh okay gotcha. so whenever whenever i see cuckoo i always think i, I always think of like the, <laughs> the, chi- the chickens that if you attack them in zelda they swarm you damn gamer brain yeah gamer oh amazing my God. i'm okay folks it's been a long weird week i'm kind of i wouldn't say i'm operating on fumes right now but i'm in a weird headspace i'm drinking a monster energy i am full-on gamer right now <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's good uh just been playing a lot of death stranding and, and the pro- the product placement worked on me um yeah yeah and yeah. uh and he's also been uh pissing shitting and taking his own <laughs> blood and putting them in uh balloons and, and throwing them at random passersby <laughs> throwing poop poop bombs at people i don't like <laughs> <laughs> that is uh literally in the game if you watched yep. our stream from uh a couple of weekends ago by the time this uh drops but uh yeah um oh, yeah Oh yeah, Gamer Brain is real, folks. I had I think discussed Red Dead Redemption two during at least thirty episodes uh, in the last few months, so I get yes. it. Um, yeah, not a lot of well, actually, there are a few uh, video game touchstones we'll get th- uh, to with this uh, with this film. I, I know you 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 thought of a few. Uh, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, uh, some uh, some similarities between a certain game that we've played together before. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so this movie is uh, just strange. It's a strange film. Um, the cast alone is a is part of that strangeness. <laughs> bonkers. <laughs> uh, so we have Christopher Reeves as the um, uh, main character. 
and notably this was his last film before his accident right yes um, um this is before he was uh, he was paralyzed um it was a horse riding accident i think he was he, he was thrown from yeah. a horse he was an avid um an avid horse rider and he that he was doing some kind of event like hurdles for the horse or something and the horse he fell um in the way he fell it just it paralyzed him for life yeah yeah um so i you know i actually kind of that's how i knew him like you know because i would watch like entertainment tonight and and shows like that and just like random right. you know daytime television with my parents so like i did right. that's how i knew christopher reeves like i never saw any of the superman movies when i was a kid i hadn't seen literally a single movie he was in um mm-hmm. until i think yeah i was a teenager and i finally saw the superman films um right. and then this film so it was just, it was weird for me i'm like oh wow yeah this guy was in <laughs> movies for decades and decades um that's kind of, that's kind of like me when i was growing up i thought ozzy osbourne was just a reality tv guy <laughs> i'm like I, I thought he was just like paris hilton but like the guy version of paris hilton that's amazing yeah yeah i didn't know i exactly. mean you know i didn't know he was from anything else there's some truth in that uh <laughs> Um, but uh, we also have Kirstie Alley, uh, returning champion here uh, from mm-hmm. our "Look Who's Talking Now" uh, episode. Oh my god, I forgot! I forgot. About that. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, another guy, some of you might have heard of Mark Hamill. Uh, <laughs> I think he was in the Jay and Silent Bob movie. Like he plays a cartoon character, but I don't really know him from anything else. He also um, did. He's a voice actor, and most famously, he voiced uh, the the trickster in Justice League Unlimited. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He also <laughs> plays that. He also played the trickster in the short-lived Flash TV show, like the original one, not the one that everyone knows now. Right, the live-action one. Live-action Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The, the, that's all I know him from. Really. Yeah, no, that's that's really it. Um, so yeah, then we get some other people. We have um, some carpenter alums or at least one peter jason um he was actually yep. he was in uh, uh, ghosts of mars as well he was the train conductor oh yeah 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 um and some other uh, individuals uh, who i'm not as familiar with uh, karen khan uh linda kozlowski um meredith salinger uh pippa per perth tree and uh, michael pare actually i know michael pare he is in streets of fire walter hills uh, mm. film from the 80s which is great mm. um, but yeah just a crazy fucking cast yeah very bonkers um, very random also we should mention obviously the whole conceit of the movie a number of very creepy and talented child actors yes mm-hmm. very very eerie and unsettling kids um, yeah and a few of them have gone on to do things um i would imagine so just statistically because there's so many yeah one or two um but whatever if you're interested go look it up yeah if you yeah (laughs) some wikipedia guys um yeah so uh, it's it's about it's sort of about cucking um it's about alien cucking actually um (laughs) it literally is um yeah and it's it's about I don't know millennial fear of of aging and, and having kids. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of lot, very emotionally resonant touchstone there. Yeah, it's um, sort of also about like postpartum depression. Like, there's some really yeah. interesting stuff in 
the concept of the movie and yeah. you know if you if you really look for it uh it's it's sort of there um but uh it's also and just, we're gonna look for it yeah and we're gonna look for it. that's our job but it's also just like a straight up uh just straight up horror movie uh mm-hmm. that uh you know lovely lovingly crafted by uh, a, a carpenter of movies john carpenter <laughs> that is true um and what's interesting about this movie is Carpenter's given $22 million as a budget, but it doesn't feel like a movie that's made for $22 million, especially considering In the Mouth of Madness made the year before, uh, he had an $8 million budget, and there's really incredible practical effects, just really great atmosphere, but this movie f- kind of feels like a made-for-TV movie. Um so I'm wondering if a lot of the budget went to perhaps the three main actors, Kirstie Alley, Mark Hamill, or Christopher Reeves, um, or I should say at least the three biggest actors in the film. Um, and I also know there were these practical effects, these contact lenses they created for the kids, uh, but didn't use in the film. What we see in the film is actually um, CGI done by an industrial light magic. So perhaps the three actor salaries plus the CGI ate up a lot of the budget um, that would have gone into the production but uh, didn't. So we get uh, we get this thing instead. Um, and in terms of box office... Um, only made back $9.4 at the domestic box office, so clearly a financial flop. Yeah, geez. Uh, I couldn't find the international statistics, but I, it I'm sure it did not play more. well yeah. in, in foreign markets, if it played at all in foreign markets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's um, a lot of Carpenter films had kind of weird histories with how they were released and um, just their success at the box office. I mean, even, or lack thereof success, even The Thing was kind of buried at the time and it yep. did poorly at the box office and only has become the treasure that it is now um, to to weirdos like us because of just, you know, decades and decades of, you know, video sales, more or less. Right. Um, but yeah, this one has not uh, had that warm reception. <laughs> no, no it, it only has a 29% on tomato meter, uh, 27% on the audience tomato meter, um, which is fairly lower than I thought it would be. Yeah, I, you know, and perhaps it's just because no one thinks to even watch this film. Uh, you sure. know, when you think John Carpenter... Uh, this is pretty far down the line. I mean, this is probably yeah. even, you know, after uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, people probably think, oh, yeah, that's right. He did that visual yeah. of the damn movie. <laughs> I guess um, the Christopher Reeve final non-paraplegic performance would have been a bigger draw and the Mark Hamill connection. Right. Just for ner- for nerds, at least, for both of those things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I I... Kind of, kind of the ethos of the show is like we don't like to rate things on like numerical scales because that's kind of dumb even though we rely upon that for every episode <laughs> what um i know it's a, a contradiction um but yeah i mean i i would have pegged this my guess would have been somewhere in the 40 like the 40s in, in terms of percentile um at least for the audience score yeah it's um you know i think perhaps for um certain horror audiences there there might not be 
um, as much for them. So like the gore hounds, right? Like there's, it's not super sure. gory. There's a few, you know, that's split true. seconds of gore, and that's mainly because it's such a shoestring budget. Um, but uh, you know, and and then for the people who love Carpenter, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's. I think I think it's a, a pretty decent Carpenter film, but. Um, you know, it, again, it doesn't rank up there with, with, you know, some of his, uh, his more seminal films. So I, I can, I can, I can understand why it's 27. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have an interview here and we're going to break. We, in the early year, in the early months of the show, we were really into like incorporating, um, anecdotes from reviews and we, we've since stopped that cause it's kind of annoying. But whenever Carpenter chimes in, it's always it's always worth yeah, mentioning. It's a delight, folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from a 2011 interview with uh, Vulture, uh, wherein Carpenter says, "I'm really not passionate about Village of the Damned. I was getting rid of a contractual assignment, although I will say it has a very good performance from Christopher Reeve, so there's some value in it." <laughs> Incredible. You you commented this, and I, I definitely agree. It feels like a TV movie. It feels like a lower budget kind of amateur production. Um, and I do say that lovingly. I don't. I don't mean that necessarily in a dismissive way. Um, the amateur production part, but like, I, I guess the the low budget is is tangible in a lot of uh, sequences. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's like some kind of practical effect, um, <laughs> especially some of the deaths. Uh, yeah, there's. There's some mannequins in in play that uh, yes. they look like mannequins. Uh. <laughs> there there is some some people having their throats cut and it's we we don't see it on screen. Um, there's people jumping off the edge of cliffs or off of rooftops and we don't we don't see them. It cuts away. Yeah. Um, My favorite is the immolation of the the Mark yes. Hamill, the Reverend's wife. Um, yes. Like her dress co- catches on fire, and they're able to actually show that because you know you can do like a certain chemical on fabric, and you know light that on fire, and then the person right. might have some garments underneath that'll protect their body. Um, but then when it gets to like putting a full person on fire, that might be a little more expensive. So they just like they film her behind some flame, like the flame is in it, front it, of it her. Is, <laughs> it, it is. There, there's a good five, six, seven feet between her and the fire. <laughs> It's incredible. It's like they didn't even try to force perspective. They're just like, fuck no. it. This will be a quick shot. No one will fucking care. <laughs> just cut that shot out. <laughs> right? It doesn't need to be there. Oh, don't need it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, besides, I guess besides the budget, I, I there's not much I dislike about this movie. Um, I think if, if they doubled the budget, it, it could, it, it would be more of a cult's classic than it currently is yeah double the budget um, maybe he didn't have enough time to film like maybe it was a, a, mm-hmm. a tighter you know filming schedule or something um yeah, yeah it's there, there's there's something that we were, were not uh made aware of here there, there's some there's there were some kind of production problems i'm sure you know mm-hmm. uh nothing legendary nothing that books are written about but there's there, there's definitely some reason why this movie looks and feels the way it does it's kind of is there's moments where it feels like a Carpenter film, and then yeah, there's movies. There's moments where it feels like a Lifetime original movie. Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good sales pitch for it. Carpenter does a Lifetime movie. 
Well, <laughs> it's it is similar to a Lifetime movie, right? Yes. The themes, you know, yep. they're they're pregnancy, they're, yeah, pregnancy, yeah. you know, family life, uh, yeah, um, it's. It's great, folks. I mean, and I would say, oh, it's a little more sci-fi, but you know, Lifetime movies. Some of them were some more sci-fi stuff in the in the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. Some sci-fi and horror-esque Lifetime movies were definitely made. Um, I remember Did you- there was one Lifetime movie, and I'll never find it. There's no way I'll ever find this movie. But I remember watching maybe five seconds of one uh, as I was flipping channels as a child, and there was like a guy in an attic who had like these crazy prosthesis that made him look like a neanderthal and he had like these giant like saw blades that were covered in blood and like i don't know maybe i was on a different channel maybe i was actually on sci-fi channel i have no idea but i really thought i was on lifetime channel and i was like what the fuck is this movie (laughs) that's amazing um did you ever see like I, i mean related to this movie the pregnancy pact no that happened that was based on events that happened in gloucester mass amazing um, yeah i remember that far from where movie. i lived yeah wow. yeah it's it's ridiculous I, I've, I've seen it twice i think i played a drinking game both times um another lifetime movie the one I, i've never seen this i think i did actually sit through this one it's um cyber seduction his his personal secret or something um it's jeremy sumter that child actor who played peter pan in the crazy peter pan movie um, he becomes addicted to internet porn. Amazing. And he he jerks off too much, and his, his performance in the swim team suffers because and, and peop, kids at school make fun of him because he watches. Porn Holy shit! Porn. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. I remember <laughs> as a kid just making fun of the porn kid. Yeah, of course. And they and they they can't show porn on right. Lifetime. <laughs> so um, the the way they represent it is he he cracks open an energy drink and he chugs energy drinks while he's surfing and like they'll show like a girl in a bikini like oh right. click here but he'll be like drinking an energy drink and just like jamming out to like some awful new metal or something do they show him That's... like pantomiming you know like no, masturbation no no, no. no. Oh, no it's, it's, it's 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 very t- it's like tv 14 it's like very tame like li- they they literally create a metaphor of chugging energy drinks much like i'm doing right now <laughs> to represent <laughs> represent jerking it that's incredible wow you know when, yep. when we run out of like terrible theatrical releases that's what we have to do we have to pivot to lifetime movies although i'm sure Life- there's podcasts that do that already i don't know maybe maybe we'll have to, we'll have to research yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to research um so we're we're doing our first lifetime movie now um yes uh village of the damned um when this movie starts um we get some nice location shots of the northern california area where john carpenter lived at the time (laughs) amazing it definitely it definitely feels like i mentioned death stranding earlier in this um on the show it it i got heavy vibes from that just because it's like the pacific northwest it's like gray and overcast um just this eerie loneliness and like there there's some kind of shadowy force moving through the shots that we see or, th- or that we're we're made aware of right yeah and even like that effect that effect is super like you know tv budget that effect but i don't know i, I kind of love it like i kind of like kinda, yeah and the, and the whispering noise like it's just like they, they made do with what they had if if we really want to like be very generous um it kind of reminds me of like the angel of death from the biblical story of the exodus 
Oh yeah, like the yeah. the 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 angel the, specifically uh, from um, the animated Prince of Egypt movie when the <laughs> angel of death comes down <laughs> and kills all the firstborn. Yeah, yeah. Except here, it creates the firstborn. Exactly. Exactly. Angel. Mm-hmm. Angel of life. Angel and, of and life. That, and and that is that is not a an improvement. That is that is just as bad. <laughs> yeah. No. But the locations are great. Um, I didn't know where it took place before I watched this film. I've actually seen this film before. Uh, and I just, I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, is it Canada? Is it, I thought it might be like Montana or the Dakotas. I couldn't place it until I finally saw a license plate. And then there's actually a California flag um, when they go to school, the kids. Right. But, uh, right. and that just adds to the, like the really eerie quality that you can't really place it unless you're like, you're from Northern California and you're like, oh yeah, this is Inverness, California. But I don't know. Right. It's just like, Especially there's that shot in the opening title sequence of, like, Elk. And I was like, where the fuck does this movie yes. take place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, and, yeah, the I mean, I, I got Pacific Northwest, but beyond that, I was lost, which, which is a huge area. Um, and, yeah, the, the isolation is really dr- – like, the isolation of this community, this this village, is, is really driven home with um, kind of the opening – the opening like set piece after after the introduction because there's there's this festival right yes um this festival it's like the harvest fest or whatever everyone's like oh how you doing how the hell are you doing oh it's good to see you i haven't seen you so long it's it it it's a contemporaneous film for 1995 but it it feels kind of like timeless like um the other game touchstone i was going to mention is it feels like stardew valley oh yeah for sure it feels like one of the events where it's like today is the star festival <laughs> harvest harvest star festival whatever yeah um and yet oh my god that that's an indie game right there like a a horror version of stardew valley yes village of the damned game incredible yeah um but yeah, I mean, we we're kind of introduced to all our main characters. The most important one is obviously Christopher Reeve as, as Doctor Chafee, Doctor Lincoln Chafee. <laughs> Shit, I was I was wondering where that. I was like, this name sounds fucking familiar. Jesus Christ, I didn't put it together. That's amazing, <laughs> Doctor Lincoln Chafee. <laughs> that, 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 that's who I'm. That's who I'm writing in for the feder, for the presidential election this year. <laughs> Doctor Lincoln, quotation marks Christopher Reeves Chafee. Doctor Lincoln. Project Chafee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, also, we we also meet uh, his wife, um, the the Reverend played by Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill's wife, um, and then who who's the the other woman that's pretty prominent? Uh, Linda um, Linda Kozlowski is the actress. Jill McGowan, uh, she's the Jill. the principal, the school principal. Right. right okay. Um, we also get a great line reading from Mark Hamill. He walks up to, to Jill McGowan and he's like, he, he, he looks clearly distressed. He just like huffs up to her. He's like, we need finger paints. <laughs> and like the way he <laughs> says it, I was just, it, I laughed out loud. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's strange to see him in a non-Star Wars movie. Like I've, I've seen very few movies with Mark Hamill that are not Star Wars movies. And I'm always, uh, it's just, he's just always out of place. Yeah. Especially yeah, he, when he's a reverend in a movie. <laughs> yeah, he. I got a little bit of his um, The Last Jedi vibes because he's kind of like religious and kind of a hermit in that one. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, he he's definitely like a, a nerd property guy at this point. Um, like I, 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 can, I could see. I mean, 
I guess I could see him doing the Joker, but only really as a voice actor, um, or as like Fire Lord Ozai, but again, only as a voice actor. Um, yeah, he he definitely feels out of place for sure. Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's still oh it's, no, he, yeah, it's, it's still it's great. I mean, it's and it's so strange because you know he's a reverend, so he can have a wife, and you know, my Catholic background, I'm like, is this like his like his friend? Like, what is happening here? But then yeah. it's it's more it's. Uh, it's spelled out later that they uh, might, might be like Episcopalian or something. I don't know. Yeah, I get, yeah, it's one of those heathen religions. <laughs> one of the fake Christian. Yeah, one of those. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Doctor Chafee, um, he he drives out of town to get something. He has to get. Um, I think he goes to like, the hospital for a shift. Right, the hospital's yeah. out of town. Um. um Really drives home well, like the rural community aspect, you know, like the hospital yeah. is like thirty to forty minutes away or whatever. You know, it's it's we really don't go out of the community for this whole film. It really just does take place in uh, yeah. Midwich, right? Is that the name of the? Yeah, because the uh, original yes. story is called the, the Midwich Cuckoos. Um, so, uh, you know, and the original story obviously takes place in uh, in in England, uh, and this right. this does not. So. And that's why I thought it I, might even be um, a a New England story, because like there's some coastal mm-hmm. towns that maybe look like this, but then there's just it's a little too hilly. Uh, you know what? I I think moving the location, and this this plays into the whole budget issue, but moving the location to a an isolated New England town would definitely have played better. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could you could maintain that kind of like coastal eeriness, but also there's like the witch hunt vibes. There's the like the cursed kind of Lovecraftian feel um, to that area more so. At, at least, I mean, maybe I'm biased just because I'm from that area, but like, <laughs> but just it, like the the geography and the kind of like the sense of history of that part of like the country definitely has more of an old world flavor. Which is, I mean, the original movie is 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 an in English story, so like it, 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 it would be more of a closer connection to my mind, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a story and film uh, that are uh, fairly ripe for a remake. So, uh, if anybody right. out there uh, <laughs> from oh, our yeah. podcast uh, is is in Hollywood and wants to make a remake of this in the future, uh, I don't know. Do it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, then. While he's away, um, everyone else in the town suddenly falls asleep, like right at ten o'clock. Um, every like every, every living thing within town limits instantly falls asleep at ten. Um, that we see cows falling asleep, we see men and women and children falling asleep. Um, and when. I, th- I think this is when Jill's boyfriend crashes and dies. Yeah. Because his car blows yeah. up. Yeah, her husband, David, I think. Yeah, husband. Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. It's, this is where, like, some of the practical effects and, like, the stunts yep. are kind of comic. Uh, yep. Like, just the way he falls asleep and then the car, yeah, crashes into another car and blows up. I don't know. It's just, like, it's quickly edited kind of because they have to edit around things, you know, because it's a yep. shoestring budget. Um, they probably didn't have a lot of like coverage or you know a lot of setups 
Um, so it just, it, it plays really quick and like, I don't know, the quicker things play in this movie, they feel just like, they're just fucking funny. Like there's a few yeah. explosions in this movie and they're all hilarious to me. <laughs> it's like they, they're embarrassed and they're trying to like hustle, hustle the scene along. So like you don't pay too much attention to it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a lot of this film is like that. Every, uh, there's a lot of like just quick moments because that's what they got. This is all they have to work with. Um, so yeah, then when Dr. Chafee comes, is driving back, he, he notices like, oh, there's this whole police cordon blocking off the only road into town. They, they, <laughs> this is kind of comical. They paint a line on the road. Like anyone who walks past this line falls yeah, asleep. It's, it's gigantic um, white block. And that's it. Yeah. It's just, you have to, you can't go past that folks. Um, on the scene is is uh fbi men in black woman in black um kirstie ellie um she's like uh i'm, I'm smoking my cigarette i'm like i'm on the scene i'm, I'm using my binoculars I'm, I'm i'm the i'm the government spook i'm here to like gain information and everything yeah and she's i think she's an epidemiologist actually yes yes she is yeah. relevant folks it's mm-hmm. uh, infectious disease yeah she's dr fauci's uh aunt i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then um but i mean the people start waking up they the the policemen who are Im- immediately on the other side of the line they they start waking up um the cows in yeah the, fields the, start waking the cows up. i think are the first ones we see wake up mm-hmm. it's uh yeah it's it's an interesting um it's just an interesting setup this 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 whole sequence you know from the people falling asleep at the uh, festival because it's interesting they all start hearing like a whisper and um the the opening title started with this whisper um but then everybody's like are you hearing that are you hearing that and then you know they all go black out um but there's just and this again is also probably because you know they they didn't have a lot of uh, money or time but there's just uh a few really well composed like tableau shots of people passed out in the town mm-hmm. um and really like almost every scene there's just like a simplicity to like almost every scene in this movie that i really enjoy yep. even yeah yeah like when we see that the town limit and like there's a police officer who crosses the line and they have like a rope around him and he has a gas mask on uh you know it's just like oh he crosses the line he passes out they pull him back uh, and then the yes. cows wake up. It's like, yep. end scene. That's it, folks. Yep. And um, even like the editing of um, the like this this montage of everyone in the town falling asleep, and then the montage of them waking up. Like the it it was edited like oh character A B C D and E they fall asleep, and then we get the whole business with with Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley talking about what the hell's going on. And then when it shows them waking up, it's an, it's edited in the same order: characters A, B, C, D, and E waking up. Um, and it's like a, it's it's just like this very straightforward like this is this is what you saw, and now this is what you see as we as we reverse it. Um, right. Yeah, just like very very um, well organized and like no no nonsense. Yeah. Editing, I guess. Yeah, and you know it's very Carpenter. Right, I mean, you know, he's not a super showy guy. Um, he's well, no Brian do... De Palma, but uh... yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. 
he is showy when it comes to interesting kills sometimes because even in uh, a snooze fest like this <laughs> get it because i fell asleep <laughs> Um, when everyone's woken up at the at the at the festival, they notice um, the guy the the guy wearing the kiss the cook apron. He he fell over and fell asleep on his grill and he burned to death. Yes, yeah, Just this is very really great. You, know, you get one of those uh, classic reaction shots of a woman yelling, screaming her head off, and then yeah, yeah, there's yeah. this this charred body. Um, yeah, and then there, we God the the, the time. The sense of time in this movie is very strange. Yeah. Because, like, the whole movie start to finish, it feels like a week. Even yep. though it's supposed to represent, like, a decade. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and again, not to, you know, just keep, uh, you know, uh, beating the same drum here, but that's Carpenter, right? I mean, he's an economic right, filmmaker. Right. Uh, right. I think this movie is, like, an hour 40, you know? Um, mm mm-hmm decent length you know it's no 90 minutes but uh you know right. <laughs> um but yeah it's like from here are they all the women start realizing they're pregnant but they, it do they realize the next day we don't know like it's just there's just these these gigantic ellipses in this film exactly and i it feels very novel like because like in yeah. a novel you you can get away with like stylistically saying like six years later right something like, like like you can you can do that much easier in in a ri- long form written piece but like and again i don't, I don't want to rag on this too hard just because i know there were budget limitations but like they, they could have given the actors different hairstyles at least like give them a haircut when they're done with filming like the the beginning sequences and then oh it's supposed yeah. to be a few months later they they cut their hair or whatever they're, they're wearing different clothes i don't know um but yeah all, all of the prominent women the ones that we meet, they're all pregnant at the same time. Um, they they go to a, a town hall meeting, yes. um, host <laughs> essentially hosted by by Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley, um, and like what's going on, and um, particularly uh, one couple, um, the husband had been away like on a business trip. Oh yeah, he was in so Japan like, for a year. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, another another woman is a virgin. Um, yeah, the young girl, and uh, and this is my favorite character. Her father, uh, yeah. he gets up because Christy Alley's like, listen, you know, the government's gonna pay for all your medical care and give you like this allowance of two thousand dollars a month, and it, which is relevant today. Yeah, very relevant. <laughs> I thought I was like, fuck, this is crazy. Um, and there's a, and there's a few things like that are fairly similar yep. to what we're going through right now in this film. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're like, if if you allow us to like, you know. Uh, run tests on your children for X amount of time. We'll give you this money. And uh, this guy stands up. He's like, uh, "Is is that two thousand per household, uh, or uh, what about if my wife and daughter are both pregnant?" And they're like, "Yes, you will get four thousand dollars." And he like looks over. He's like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> yeah, he looks, he looks over his his wife and daughter. He's like, mm, "Just not at home." That's great. Um. Another small thing I've noticed, and th- this kind of spans all of Carpenter's oeuvre, um, he, even from the beginning, he was always pretty, his his casts is pretty diverse. Like, he just includes lots of um, actors of color as well as, like, white actors, and not necessarily in, like, starring roles, but, like, more of the background extras. Yeah. Um, he, he's always been, he's just always been like, hey, people, I'll work with anyone, anyone that wants to, like, be an extra in my movie, like, I'll take you on. 
Yeah, I mean, just, you know, the character who plays Christopher Reeve's wife in this movie is Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like I don't know. There are other ones like like Prince like Prince of Darkness. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty diverse cast in that one. Just cool, cool to see. Um, but yeah, and then they also. Th- I imagine this was a hot button topic in 1995, but um, they don't actually say abortion or terminate the pregnancy. But Kirstie Alley alludes to it. She's like, anyone who chooses to, like, like keep or maintain the pregnancy, yes. will be given the money. But she's like, but we want to emphasize it's your choice. We're not trying to compel you to do a forced birth. But like, that they would even allude to that in 1995 is is pretty bold. I yeah, think. and there's even a character. Uh, it's just some you know bit of uh, dialogue you can hear. Well, I couldn't really hear it, but I saw it on the subtitles, and it said like, "Oh, that's killing babies." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you imagine that um, the Mark Hamill character would be firmly against that because he's right. He's yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they should have played that up more. They should have. They should like they play up his zealotry as the children are born, and they play up like his his wife's zealotry once he dies. But that's you know in the third act of the movie. Really, and, but but that would have been such a nice contrast because if he was if he like stood up and made this little speech of like we can't do abort like it's against God's will like I and even if God doesn't doesn't have a choice in the matter like I, I still consider it like a bad thing to, like like if he gave this thing like if he was the advocate for the children in the right. beginning and then it he would, turns on yeah exactly, exactly. that would have yeah. been that would have been so good yeah it's well you know and I. I, I think we say this once in a while, but I, I think it is a screenplay that needed another pass through, right? Like, right. you know, not another, you know, cook in the kitchen, but like just, you know, John Carpenter, like spend a few more days on this one, you know, just tweak it a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that's actually kind of a common thing we say on this show. And I, I, I think it's a common thing for like movies in general. Um, I mean, yeah, movies are visual visual pieces of art first and foremost. But like, I, I honestly do think a lot of movies um, could a lot of movies that are bad or that I don't like could have at least been improved in the writing and editing stage. Um, and yeah, th- there's no accounting for like crappy shots or a crappy aesthetic. But like, I, I, I mean, definitely story wise, just so many movies I see like <laughs> that. That's just a common fix that I that I envision. Yeah. No, I mean and, pre and, so, and post production can 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 do wonders for a yes. picture. Uh, you can have so, a I mean, total fucking idiot, you know, behind the camera. <laughs> and if you have a good editor, uh, if you have a pretty good screenplay, uh, you you know you can make something decent. Uh, I mean, Mark Hamill, Star Wars, the the original Star Wars, infamously was was saved in production. Um, Marsha Lucas kind of right. recut it and like and, and made it into what it is today. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I I've never seen like any kind of original cut of the 1977 Star Wars, but like by all accounts, it was a disaster. Well, and then you know you think of all the the reimaginings and reduxes that you know Lucas has done to the original trilogy. So it's like, well, is this what you know? <laughs> there there's a limit. There's, there's a, a limit, man. Once it's out in the fucking director's cuts. Once it's out in the world, let it stay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes theatrical cuts are fine. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Most of the time they're shorter, so I'm uh, I'm in favor of them we're, for that alone. Proud. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, this movie. There's only one. There's only one edit of this one. I think <laughs> there were. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, the uh, I think there are ten pregnancies. Yeah, um, which kind of threw me off because you would think there were more if the whole town. Um, well, well, no, that that that's just more. Again, this, this is another kind of like script issue, right? Because like when they found out about all the pregnancies i was under the assumption that they were saying like every every woman who can bear children is pregnant that's what i thought too and it was startling uh when you see when they make the makeshift hospital in the barn even i was like shit that's gonna be a ton of pregnancies And then yeah, it's ten, and you're like, eh, yeah. I don't know about that. That's that's pretty low, especially we just saw this gigantic crowd scene, you know, at yeah. the at the city hall. <laughs> if if they had said like, oh, all all childbearing women at the at the city hall got pregnant, that, that right. would make much more sense. But like, it just just confusing dialogue, and and like one or two lines could have easily cleared that up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still like ten at one time is it seems like a lot. Um, yeah, but like the way that Christopher Reeve was reacting when he was like, because he's the town doctor, he was like finding out about this shit. Like it, it, it seemed like it was literally every woman in the town. Yeah, and you know, and maybe it is in the book, but you know, you don't have the budget to. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Put twenty kids exactly. in uh in this makeup and these costumes. <laughs> exactly. Just but again, one line. Just say, oh, everyone in the town fell asleep within the town limits, but the pregnancies were localized in this area. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. yeah exactly. But yeah. Uh, Nine of the nine of the births are, are healthy, but one of them is a stillborn. Yeah, yeah. I also imagine that's just what like uh you know like labor and delivery wards used to look like too, like yeah. in older hospitals. Yeah. You know, like yep. before the idea and, and invention of like private rooms, just like oh yep, you get a curtain, you get a curtain, and that's <laughs> yeah. about it. Like you know, good luck. Here's some hay. Here's some hay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, um. But yeah, it's 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 still it's it's interesting, and it and it looks like uh, you know like the makeshift uh, COVID uh, hospital they made in the Javits Center in New York, you know, yeah. like Jesus, yeah, just right on top of each other, row after row. Uh, Eerie, this predicted this year. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild. Um, this is where the editing with its time jumps gets really fuzzy because um, we do jump forward a little bit to seeing all the families with their babies. Um, and we get some like eerie suggestions like, oh, these babies are super intelligent. Like they, they spell names with their with blocks. They they pick things up when they're infants. Um, and then like we jump forward a little bit again and, and they're, they're toddlers and they're like they have like weird looks like the the toddler little kid actors are great yeah. they're just like they're just like they're staring <laughs> like they 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 do think they look creepy when they need to look creepy yeah the first shot where we see the babies too in the church like at their baptism uh christopher yes. reeves baby is like the most weird bug-eyed little little tyke it's just yes. great like yes. just like mouth like mouth agape and just like these gigantic eyes like looking right at the camera i was like what the fuck is wrong with this baby <laughs> um speaking of that baby uh when when she grows up to be a toddler um first of all she looks her hair looks like like a powerpuff girl yeah. or like um or like mandy from billy and mandy oh yes mm-hmm. yep just like and, and they, all the babies grow up, they have, like, shock white hair. That's kind of the their visual motif. Um, 
but the Christopher Reeve baby um, mind controls Christopher Reeve's wife and forces her to stick her hand into a pot of boiling soup. Yeah, it's great. Yep, it's 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 a low budget, painful scare, but it's effective. I I liked it. Yeah, you know, it's um, just like the, the the few shots that set it up, like baby spills soup bowl. Mom asks, "Is it too hot?" And then we see she's making soup. You know, yep, yep. quick insert of the bubbling soup, and then like, oh no, the baby has weird mind control eyes. What's gonna happen next? Um, yeah, that, that's the thing. When, whenever the baby, whenever the kids' babies use their powers, their mind control, their eyes flash green and then red. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so she puts her uh, puts her arm in the bubbling, uh, boiling soup, and uh, eventually the the baby is it. What's her name? Mara? Is that the? Christopher Reeve child yeah. um, is is Mara, yes, Mara, yeah. Mara, Mara Chafee. Yeah, Mara Chafee. Uh, she also makes her mother commit suicide. Um, yeah. In, and I remember this shot because it's my favorite shot of the movie. Uh, <laughs> so when she jumps off this cliff, we don't see it because they have to sit on the budget to like. I don't know. Even though they could have just thrown a fucking mannequin, uh, they they love throwing mannequins around in this movie. <laughs> But um, yes. we don't see her jump. But we do see Christopher Reeves uh, yell for his wife, Barbara. He's like, Barbara, where are you, Barbara? And he runs towards the cliff. And, and the camera pans upwards into the sky. And we get a double exposure of uh, little Mara, half of her face in the sky. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's looking um, great. Yeah, it's very... It's, and we never see weird. a shot like that again. No. <laughs> we needed more of that kind of yeah. shit. That oh, kind yeah. of surreal, like, I don't know, like, Kincaid aesthetic of, like, yes. overly obvious cheese just, like, battering your oh, head, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, baby face in the sky. Like, come on. More baby faces in the sky, oh, John. <laughs> homicidal baby face in the sky. Uh, it's like an yeah, evil we, Teletubby, like, uh, son. Yeah. Oh, my... Yeah damn um and teletubbies is from the uk so that's like another uh-huh. connection like re- re- returning the story home in a sense um, <laughs> yeah and then we get another time jump of like i would say 10 years because the kids look like they're maybe like seven or eight yeah maybe seven or eight i yeah i wouldn't say they're 10 yet but i don't yeah. know kid ages so, i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, kid kid ages are really hard to pin down, especially because like kids grow up weirdly and quickly sometimes, and sometimes they they stay short and little for a long time. I don't know. It's it's hard to pin down, but let, let let's say eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and they're just a bunch of little tykes, and they're all grown up, and there's there's nine of them. Um, they all have the same color hair. The girls have all the same haircut. The boys have all the same haircut. They always wear gray. Uh, and they always march in 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 double file, um, and they have a they have a good little creepy motif to herald their approach. Yes, yes. Uh, kind of, it's it's kind of like chimes and synth and in voice like chanting, um, or or like like voices say, like voices singing. It, it it's good. I like yeah. it. No, it's like a, it's a very underrated Carpenter score. Like it just it yeah, works yeah. so well for the story. Um, but it's it's not as like bombastic as some of his other scores, um, and it's not as like synth heavy. There's more strings involved. 
Yes. Um, and yes. it's almost like, it's almost cheesy. It's almost like a cheesy Lifetime movie score. That's why I thought Lifetime originally, because I was like, this this is not what you think when you think a Carpenter score. You know, there's again, right. there's some late motifs that are Carpenter esque. There is synth, of course, um, and there is the creepy, you know, vo- vocalizations like you were saying. Um, but yeah, it's it's an uncharacteristic Carpenter score. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's a good it's a good little motif. It, I would imagine like um, that song is probably on. I, I know he has like a compilation of all his his favorite music from his movies. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That he worked on after Lost Themes. It's probably on there. I'll look it up. I'll do live action research later when it's your turn to tell. <laughs> uh, but um. Yeah, no, and the and the kids have a great look too. Like the 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 pale white hair and just like rows of them works very well. Uh, it's very evocative, and it, I mean that's probably from the original. Um, yeah, but you know the original is in black and white, um, which is probably the deciding factor for doing that effect with their right, hair. Right, exactly, and and it works in color too. I, I think mm-hmm. it it works yep. really well. Um, it I I think it works better in color. Yeah, because like it. You have so many other potential options, right? And, and and the palette of this film is interesting too. Like it's it's not an, a, a super colorful film, um, right? Like the right. colors are really just kind of the natural colors of the north northern California landscape. Um, you know, very earthy tones. Um, even like the the '90s fashion isn't like the more like you know blocky, colorful '90s fashion. It's kind of just like you know your your flannels and your you're just like very plain blouses and stuff like that, like a, a like boxy kind of um, cloth coats. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you have these children who all are dressed the same. They dress, they like yes. dress like I don't know, like kids from the 1930s. Uh, and then they have or like me from grade school <laughs> when I wore a uniform. <laughs> uh, and and I do see um, on Carpenter's album anthology movie themes from movie themes 1974 to 1998 um the deluxe limited edition vinyl bonus track one of them is march of the children village of the damned nice yep march of the children's a good name for it by the way yeah oh for sure yeah um but no the 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 kids just like their whole aesthetic is is very effective uh in this film and, and their um, affect too, right? Like the way they talk, and they're very eloquent, and the actors are really good. Like the little kids probably didn't understand a word they're saying, but they like right, sell yeah. it. Um, and I'm, and and the way the story was specifically written, it, the kids don't need to act well. Essentially, right. they don't need to be they don't need to be super evocative. What they need to do is read lines robotically. Right. Yeah. Because that that makes sense. No, right. I mean, there's whole lines of dialogue where they talk about not being emotional. Uh, that's the whole point. You know, they are just these beings that are on this planet for a specific purpose. Um, domination, honestly. Uh, I yeah, guess. and I mean that that is eventually doled out the information, kind of kind of piecemealed uh, by by Kirstie Alley to Christopher Reeve, because she she is working for the federal government and she tells him that this has happened in other towns across the world. She mentions like Africa, she mentions like Sweden, Alaska. Um, and she's like, yeah, th- th- this happens sometimes. And um, 
we don't know why basically yeah, yeah. in in other uh, specifically rural isolated communities yeah. um it's interesting i um there's a book that i read uh a couple of years ago called uh first and last men by olaf stapleton it's a seminal sci-fi work and uh, it's from the 30s i want to say uh maybe mm-hmm. 40s and uh, I remember you, you mentioned Stapleton to me a long time ago, and I've never gotten around to reading him. Yeah, so I, I've read uh, several of his, uh, his his books and his short stories, his novellas and such. Uh, he's an incredible writer. But uh, in First and Last Men, it goes through like 15 different iterations of man from like us to, you know, higher enlightened beings. And one version of men um, is like these giant headed creatures who are fairly humanoid and they they're kind of like ubermensch characters and then he he actually made a whole book about these type of characters i'm blanking on the name right now but um it's it's a lot of similar uh themes of like these emotionless you know superhuman uh beings except of course in this movie they're they're aliens um, but uh, I wonder if that, you know, if, if the work of Stapleton uh, had, a, you know, any uh, influence on uh, John Wyndham. I'm sure I'm sure it did just because I'm looking here. Wyndham lived from 1903 to 1969. Um, I'm, I'm sure like that Stapleton's work would have existed um, right when he was growing up and right when he was actually writing. Um and yeah, they they are aliens. We Kirstie <laughs> Alley shows uh, Christopher Reeve and the audience um, the the corpse of the stillborn um, birth, uh, and it's a really cheesy looking rubber alien. Something something you would buy from a Spencer's gift. Oh, it's amazing! Um, it's so good. It was the scene where my wife came into the the room while I was watching it, and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you know, just a John Carpenter movie with the cheesiest looking it, alien ever." <laughs> It looks like a, a Spencer's gift, yeah. like gag gift. Just it's it's so good. It's in the basement of like this podunk town's like clinic. It's just like oh, I'm gonna take you down the stairs and show you this. It's an alien. Yeah. It's, no, and it's but it's interesting too because at first um, we just see Kirstie Alley bring uh, Christopher Reeves into the basement and he looks on off camera horrified at something and there's like a blue glow that's emanating yeah. from that side of the screen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's effective. Like, I get it. Like, there's something in a yeah. tank over there. There's something weird. We don't have to and, see and, it. And, and and they're doing the don't show the shark until the last, like, show, show the shark in Jaws for, like, a grand total of, like, five minutes, right? Like, don't don't show the audience. Right. But then they finally, like, show you this alien up close, and I'm like, God damn it. No, yeah, we it, didn't need to good. see this, guys. <laughs> you know you didn't have the budget for this. Um, They, they mentioned that this alien was supposed to be the companion for David, the 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 odd one out of of the group, because um, there's only nine. There there's four girls, four boys that are together, and then there's David, who's just on his own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 was supposed to be partnered up or, or or the the mate of the one that was stillborn. David, by the way, is uh Jill, the the principal's son. Yeah, 
and I also love like when they talk about like the kids having mates, they're like, they're all horrified by it. And it's, I mean, it is kind of horrifying to think there's a lot of stuff like the way they talk, the way this film kind of deals with children and childhood. Like there's a lot yes. of crazy shit that happens around these children um, that we would not it, associate with like, you know, childhood. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it has like, and it, it, to be clear, it's not like overt. And it's no, like, no gross but like it it has like this underlying creepiness kind of like q energy almost <laughs> like <laughs> like the reptile people and the aliens and they're all that's a government conspiracy they're covering it up like that kind of like <laughs> sentiment right um and yeah like the the idea of like kids being predestined to be like engaged in child marriages for the propagation of a species it, it it's an it touches on uncomfortable things like that yeah you know and um and even like the way the like the adult townsfolk talk to the children like throughout the movie yeah. like they just hate them so fucking much yeah. they just know they're fucking evil uh, yeah. and they just say like crazy shit in front of them there's this one drunk yeah. janitor who we see throughout oh, the movie yeah. and like at one point uh there he's like a, he's, he's like real life groundskeeper willie oh yeah exactly like, yes. like, e- even even drunker and even grosser <laughs> oh yeah, very gross this guy um at one point when christopher reeves is like teaching the children he leaves a room for a second or maybe it's christy alley leaves a room for a second it's 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 christopher reeves. yeah it's, it's christopher reeves uh, and then the janitor just like walks into their classroom and he's like i know what you're all up to one of these days these town folks they're, they're like me they have guns and they're gonna they're tired of you and one day I'm just going to get up on a roof and I'm going to start shooting. <laughs> it's Q energy. And he takes he takes his broom and he pretends to – because he's like sauced. He's like three sheets to the wind. He, he takes his broom and he pretends it's a gun. And he starts poking one of the kids and then he accidentally pokes him too hard. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he hits David up. like right in the yeah. – squarely in the face. <laughs> um. And then the, the kids kill him. This is, this is one of the better kills. Um. They They mind control him. Uh, and he had been doing like maintenance on the roof or something because there's a ladder. Um, they force him to climb the ladder, and then he takes the broom that he had been poking the kid with, and he jumps off and he lands on his truck, and the broom gets shoved through his chest. Yes, it's fucking great. It's the best kill in the movie. Yeah, uh, but when he when his body hits the windshield, however, it is a mannequin, and they do oh, not cut yeah. away quick enough from that mannequin. No, no, no. <laughs> And the fact that that's the best kill in the movie should tell you yes. something. Yes. Oh, yeah. But I also love how he climbs the ladder. Like, he climbs it backwards step by step. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. fucking great. Doesn't use his hands. Yeah. No, it's good. He, the guy really does it. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, all, all this, the, the tension kind of mounts over the in the town. Um, one, one missed opportunity is I, I wish they kind of focused more on, like, the parents yeah. interacting with these kids because right. it's a creepy fucking situation and, and and they don't hate their kids like they supposedly love them like especially jill loves david her yeah. son um but yeah we don't, we don't get too much of that um they do get a lot of emphasis on david being the odd one out he starts to develop emotions because he doesn't have a mate because he's incel <laughs> <laughs> incel is good folks he meets um, the mother, the virgin mother of the stillborn, his, his partner. Um, she's crying at the graveyard over the grave of her, her kid. And she offers him booze and he shakes his head. Um, 
and it, it's interactions like that that kind of make him more of an individual yeah. than the others. Yeah, no, it's it's true. We really get um, maybe a few scenes with him and his mom, and then a few scenes with Mara and uh, and uh, Doctor Lincoln Chafee. But that's that's it. Like, I mean, the fact that there's you know uh, seven other kids uh, that we d- we don't see what their you know family lives are like at all. It's a missed opportunity. Right. Of course, it would be a longer movie and it would be a different movie, right? Um, right. But I don't know. We could have got one or two extra scenes. Um, but yeah, it's here. Uh, but then it'd be longer, longer. right? Then it would be longer. <laughs> so I mean, I take it back, folks. Uh. Uh, Mara, by the way, Mara Chafee is, is kind of like the the leader. Yeah, I mean, not they don't really have a leader because they're you get the impression that the kids are a hive mind. But um, I don't know. She becomes like the spokes the spokesperson. She she becomes like the, the mouth of the group because she she's the one that talks most and she. She says things as if she's making plans, but they're they're all a hive, they're all psychic hive mind, so whatever. Right. Um, Kirstie Alley eventually starts freaking out because she finds out that the government is going to destroy the village, um, because all all the other towns where this has happened have been destroyed. Yeah, yeah. They've, Worldwide, they've just like they've gone radio silence, and then they were all like destroyed. Um, the the Q Great Awakening has arrived. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the quickening or whatever they call it. The, I don't know. Um, um, but yeah, then the kids uh, they all decide that <clears throat> they want to live in the barn, and they don't need their parents anymore. Right. And uh, and they and then thus the uh, third act of the film starts. Yeah, and I mean they what once Kirstie Alley gets the impression that the government's just going to bomb the place. Um, she advises Chafee to leave. Um, and we also learn at this point that Chafee can, he has like a stronger will. He's just like a, he can, his, his, he's, he's a smart guy. So like he can shield his mind to some degree from the psychic powers of the children. Right. Yeah. He, he envisions like a, a beach and some waves and then the kids can't see past that. And I like that because I think, the implication of that is he focuses on the sadness of his wife killing herself. Right. Mm-hmm. Because emotion is so alien to the children. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, uh, I think it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we, we kind of get a reverse Waco, Texas. Uh, <laughs> yes. A reverse branch is, Davidians yes. happens. <laughs> yeah. And uh, starting, kicking off this uh this this waco homage is uh mark hamill <laughs> reverend mark hamill oh my god i love um, this part <laughs> he he tries to he tries to kill younglings as his father did <laughs> yes. in episode three <laughs> he, he tries he, he tries to shoot mara chafee in the head um but then he turns around and of course a, a smaller another group of the children had had snuck up on him and they they psychically force him to to uh, blow his brains out with a gun. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and of course, we don't see it. You know, they don't have yeah. the money for like yeah, a baking a whole head prosthetic to blow up. So <laughs> they should have just purchased one of the Luke Skywalker micro machine head playsets. Yes, <laughs> that un- that unfolds into the Battle of Hoth. I have one. <laughs> they could have just put some like uh, yeah, some like cow innards inside of it and then just shot it yeah. with a <laughs> with a twenty two. Yeah. 
and just have the reverend uh character wearing an x-wing pilot's outfit because the head is he, it's luke wearing his x-wing pilot helmet <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would have been a, it would have been halloween oh my but it said at halloween that, and he would have had a reason to wear the costume <laughs> That would have been so elaborate and insane to do for, like, uh, not that great of a payoff. <laughs> Whatever. It's great. It's great. My, my uh, other favorite yeah. kill is when um, uh, the uh, the father who had gone to Japan and who came back when he dies. Right, right. When he's, like, trying to find his daughter. And uh, right. he's, he comes to them uh, on a, a, a abandoned stretch of road in his truck and then they like they make him you know floor the gas on the on the truck and uh of course he flies it to a propane tank like a gigantic propane tank and it explodes but uh it's i don't know how they did it it seems like it's a miniature i don't really understand it but like the truck hits a propane tank but it doesn't look it it's like it's like an uncanny valley where it looks like it might be real. Like it might have actually done it with a real truck and a propane tank, but it also looks really small. I don't. I don't know. The yeah, the the truck looks like it looks like a miniature, but the propane tank doesn't. It's very yeah, odd. It's so strange, but I fucking love I, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine my my best guess is it's a it's a miniature truck, and then the propane tank, um, it's just a smaller propane tank for. Like like one like for a, a gas grill, but, right? But like it looks like a bigger one. Yeah, like, like they've the painted it the to look like a bigger one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's my best guess. That'd be um, amazing if they just like basically drove an RC car into like a propane tank for some dude's grill. <laughs> that's that's good shit. That's good shit. Um. So yeah, I mean tensions are ramping up. Uh, Reverend Mark Hamill's wife is is kind of leading a mob. She's she's throwing together like a posse or a mob yes. to go kill the kids. Yeah, this like um, religious yeah. like mob. Like she's like quoting scriptures. <laughs> yeah, that part was really ham handed. Like, like Carp- Carpenter loves his blend of mysticism and science. Um, and usually it works with like gangbusters. It's just a little awkward in this. And I, and I mean like the it was it's fertile fertile ground for that kind of thing. Um just it, it it felt kind of like i don't like like nom just kind of like nominal like oh well, well i guess we'll put it in like like dutifully put it putting it in with no passion behind yeah it. exactly like every time they were in the church i was just like eh, i could do without this like it, it and the church is so fucking boring. the church it, sucks it's a shitty, <laughs> such a shitty church like i i know i know we mostly ironically flog the catholic thing because we both grew up that way but like i'm sorry the, the aesthetics of catholic cathedrals and churches are so much creepier and better than like american protestant yeah. aesthetic uh, it's so lame just like white walls some like yeah and like sewing crafts on the yeah, walls fuck, like, fuck like get out of here with this bullshit <laughs> yeah get, get, give me some like gothic shit going with yeah. like and again that's why it should have been in new england like because you get those older older churches to to play with yeah exactly the, the thing the, the fact that it's set in california that's how, that's when you kind of realize it's set in california with that church specifically like it just yeah, it looks like a newer yeah, yeah, church yeah. you know like it's mm-hmm. it doesn't have like the the weight or yeah it's like the age to it um yeah it almost looks like a constructed yeah. set but i know that it's they shot on location and that that is a, a specific church somewhere in northern california but like ugh. and and, and more to the point, I think like the the American Protestant aesthetic is very much constructed set aesthetic. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, that that's that was a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, the the feds, the federal federal scientists are getting the hell out of Dodge, and Kirstie Alley's the last one to leave, and she's about to leave, but she is um, she's confronted by a small group of the children, including David, while the other ones confront the mob. Yeah, yeah, they kill her with a scalpel. Well, actually, they make her kill herself with a scalpel. Yep. Um, and then and Dave, David, um, he experiences an emotion. Um, the little kid actually has like a this very like sad looking expression on his face. He he's a good kid actor. Yeah. Um, I do want to look up his name because David is more of a central character in this movie. Um, Thomas Decker, who has apparently um gone on to be an adults not not an adult <laughs> adult actor. Adult actor? <laughs> As as an adult, Thomas Decker has gone on to continue acting, and he's also apparently um, a director and a musician. Huh. Yeah. He also did voice acting. He was Littlefoot in a number of um, in a number of the Land Before Time. <laughs> nice, amazing. He was he was Littlefoot in Land Before Time five through nine. That's great. One of those is the alien one. Oh, and he also voiced uh, Fievel from the American Tale movies. Huh. That's cool. The original one too, like the, mm-hmm. yeah, hmm. yeah, Amer- Amer- uh, American Tale, The Adventure of Manhattan Island, and American Tale. F- no, not the original. Not the originals. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no not true. It's not even Five um, Goes West. No, 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 not even that one. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, um, he he's good in this movie. Um, and then he get, he freaks out when he sees his dead, his dead baby alien wife um so yeah the kids retreat back to their farmhouse um the the military comes in um chafee he he goes to meet jill in the school he locks her in the school because he's going to confront the kids he he has explosives he has a bomb yeah it's fucking great Um, his dynamite that he gets from somewhere I don't, it's just yeah. like a ran. He's like in a random building. He gets some dynamite. He breaks into a shed and gets a yeah. gets a bomb. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's like never. It's it's never explained where this dynamite came from. Like never set up earlier in the film. Like oh yes, they live near a mine or something. <laughs> like yeah, he just has dynamite and he yeah he he like he rigs it to uh, an alarm clock to explode. Before he before he gets there, the military shows up to the the um the farmhouse of destiny and um first it's just two cops and and the kids force one of the cops to shoot another one and then it's almost like it it, it feels like gta yeah oh it's so like gta they, yeah because um it's like kids controlling a character yep. as he shoots <laughs> at the military coming in and he's good like he kills like a ton of cops <laughs> yeah I, I guess like they're hesitant to shoot back at another cop, right. but like um, eventually they control all of them yeah, and all the cops and all the first all. murdering each other. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's fucking it's great. great. They they put a lot of money into that sequence though. Th- this is where yeah. most of the budget went for sure. Yeah, because like the helicopter crashes or it looks like it crashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the helicopter goes down bo- below the tree line and then there's an explosion. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's like, well, you had money for explosions in this movie. That's for sure. We've seen yeah. three already. <laughs> Um, but eventually Chafee and Jill separately first Chafee and then Jill later show up to the uh, the barn house after after all the cops and soldiers are dead um, and, and Chafee uses his his force mental shield technique 
which manifests as a literal brick wall on yes. screen. Yeah, uh, it's a brick wall that has really interesting lighting. It has like this this red and this purplish lighting on it, and the camera is right. like moving in and out of it. You know, it's as if like you know the the penetrating minds of the children trying to get into yeah, it, and yeah. like bits of it start flying off. As the, it's a, it's a yeah it, it's his brain wall, his brain fortress. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's fucking great. I it's it's one of the only. It's another one of the images I. Uh, uh, just like the baby face in the sky this was the other image i could remember from this film i was like right okay. isn't there yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, a wall and then dynamite behind it i was like what's that all about i thought it was like i, I remember it as like a literal wall that he puts dynamite in i was like oh no no no, no that's right he makes a mental wall right yes of course well it, it does look like he puts the dynamite in the wall because when they break through finally yeah we get a visual of of a hole crumbling in the center of the wall as as they to, to reveal the dynamite behind it yeah yeah um they uh and that happens too late obviously like uh the it does actually explode and uh kill uh everybody but jill and david jill and david get out right. but all the kids are dead and, and uh, lincoln chafee is dead as well also it's it's really i like the way that jill got david out because um she he, he david's conflicted he doesn't want to do this but the the other children are forcing him to jill runs up um grabs david and tries to sneak away but then all the children at once the eight evil ones they turn and look at david and they compel jill to stay like they, they focus their mental force powers on jill and then behind them uh chafee tries to do something like he tries to pick the bomb up in the bag and then they all, all the children look back at him and that gives the idea of like they can only work together in concert they can't act individually and that's what that's is what that that weakness is what undoes them right because they they if if they were individuals half of them could easily look at david in jail trying to get away the other half could easily look at chafee and 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 keep them both locked down um and potentially figure it out in time but because they're a hive mind because they don't have individuality like david does that that weakness is what leads to their their undoing yeah um they they mentioned something about like uh, I think Jill has this one conversation uh, with David at some point about being like an individual, or maybe it's it's uh, Chafee has a conversation with Mara about being an individual. And I was wondering if like the original story by Wyndham is like actually an anti-communist story. I was thinking the same yeah. thing, in, in very much in the same way that A Thing from Another World was an anti-communist right, story. Right, exactly. Like I just I feel like it has to be. <laughs> It's 1957, you know, definitely right in the middle of the Cold War. Like, it's got to be. Brood parasitic aliens written in 57. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no way. Yeah. And I think the last shot of the movie is, like, just David's face. Um, And that's in that. And I guess, like. I was thinking like, oh, is his eye are his eyes gonna change like colors? And and that's the thing. They don't. So it's kind of like, oh, I guess he's good now um yeah it's somewhat ambiguous it's they 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 kind of like play at the idea of like oh is he good or is he bad but he got away but like it just emotionally it, it he feels like a good kid at this point just yeah. like an alien oh i also like the effect that they use when mara is trying to penetrate her dad's mind and she's like going super saiyan 
and her like her their eyes glow red when they're like trying to do something really bad yeah yeah and then they grow uh, glow like hot white but then her whole face starts to glow and like it's like you can yeah. see in yes into like her like tissue and skull and shit and it's like it's really fucking creepy and again like probably where a decent amount of money went for that effect as well it's definitely the best um it must be digital digital yeah i think it's gotta be uh it could be camera tricks it could be like a double exposure i don't know sure but it's regardless it's definitely the best effect of the movie yeah for sure um but yeah no that that's how it ends um the workers of note um you had a good one and then i have a list here yeah so uh i put uh uh, Stephanie Pleat, who is the location manager. Um, so, you know, Carpenter had the idea for where to film it because he lived in Inverness, but um, then it's someone like uh, Stephanie Pleat to make sure that the locations work and, you know, um, perhaps find additional locations and stuff. And yeah, it's, just, it's a great location. Uh, it's, it's, it's very much in keeping with the Carpenter brand of filming in, in Northern California, um uh, you know halloween three is northern california um uh the fog is shot in northern california um um the workers of note that i have just the casting department just because again just on on the sheer strength of the of the child performers um i mean child actors are notoriously tricky to work with and, and tricky to get good performances out of um but like even the babies like were, were not that the babies acted but like they they did what they needed to do and um most notably the the toddler actors for for like getting a toddler a toddler to act by like staring and not just fucking around even for like a quick five second shot i can only imagine how difficult that is yeah for sure i mean yeah to get the little baby mara to like you know just like look you know just focus so intently on this like one right. space in front of her i wonder yeah how they exactly. did that i wonder if it's like shot at like uh yeah like a different frame rate or something i don't know but yeah <laughs> or like an assist assistant holding like a shiny ball like watch the ball <laughs> uh, but yeah uh the cast casting department uh reuben cannon peter jason sandy king cheryl miller um, and then two associate casting directors, uh, David Giella and Helen Taylor. Um, so closing thoughts, what have we got for broke? Uh, antinatalists, which is to say <laughs> every millennial out there that exists. Um, if you're, if you're afraid of like, Oh, what kind of world are we leaving our kids? Like, will our kids resent us for being born? Or is it, is it responsible to have children when the state of the world is like this? Um, a lot, a lot of that kind of like, global um the 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 duty of prospective parents to the globe um this movie is heavy with with that kind of feeling right yeah it just um it makes it more intimate because it's yeah yeah it's about just these this small town as opposed to yeah it's a microcosm not the macro but um yeah it's definitely it's there i mean it's interesting that it's the second uh, antinatalist film we have for John Carpenter month here, uh, yes. along with Halloween three. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The, the the children of the future and the future is horrifying. Yeah. Our woke recommendation is for anybody who likes to piss off NIMBYs. 
Uh, NIMBY stands for Not In My Backyard. Um, there's community groups uh, or just people who consider themselves concerned citizens that are against uh, like new developments and um, just new construction in their neighborhood. Uh, a lot of the times the, the, the objections they have though in America at least are to like low-income housing uh, or homeless shelters uh, so that's relevant to this film because when John Carpenter filmed in his backyard in Inverness, California, in Marin County, uh, apparently his neighbors were super pissed off. Uh, they would try and ruin takes by like uh, revving up their lawnmower um, and just like trying to steal equipment. Apparently, uh, so yeah, he he pissed off the right people because the people who live in Marin County are uh, very wealthy. Um, we might have alluded to this previously that uh, George Lucas also pissed off the residents of Marin County when he uh, proposed building uh, low-income housing, affordable housing in Marin County uh, near Skywalker Ranch, um, but he never actually did that. I was doing some research. He never actually built that housing. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, if you don't like NIMBYs, this is the film for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, in my bespoke recommendation, um, th- this could be the template for a, a new origin for Superman. <laughs> could kind of do. <laughs> I mean, I, I know James Gunn kind of tried to do that with like the birth, uh, burn bright, bright burn, whatever it's called, bright burn. Yeah, that that like Superman as a kid and like he's a horror movie villain kind of thing. But oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, if you want to take it a different direction, like David is like uh, he's he's a new Kal El, right? He's like. Um, it kind of his his powers such as they are like controlling people and reading people's minds uh that's more of a contemporary um superpower that's more relevant to our our postmodern surveillance driven surveillance focused world um and i mean just on a metatextual level like oh christopher reeve is is the one that saves him but but right. dies in doing so the the original classic most famous superman um yeah, I don't know. Just it, it, it's it's there. It's a little bit of a stretch, and it kind of kind of gets too close to like oh, like a head cannon kind of theory. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I want to see that folks. sequel though. Like that'd be an amazing sequel yep. to Village of the Damned. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what does David, David do next? The the president. Yeah. Well, and and also in in you know the the age of the superhero movie, it would make sense if some filmmaker made. You know the sequel to *Village of the Ooh. Damned*, a like horror superhero movie. Damn, that's good. That's good shit. Yeah, I mean, come on, folks. I I I don't think anybody's gonna make this movie. So get on that. Well, nobody's gonna make any more movies ever. Well, again. ever again, no. right? But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least in America. At least um, in America, yeah. Social media: follow us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/pro underscore con twitter.com um we are not dot com our twitter is at proletarian c that's the best way no spaces uh facebook.com we are facebook.com slash proletarian contrarian no spaces um and on instagram we are proletarian dot contrarian no spaces yeah follow us folks um follow our shit we we update them from time to time uh we might give you a peek into what the next uh you know carpenter film for carpenter month is yes that's right folks there's one more because there are five mondays this fucking month (laughs) 
<laughs> it is an unnatural abomination, like the children from this movie, <laughs> like the like the thing like from the, the thing, thing. From like the thing. Like the shape from the original Halloween movie. That's all. <laughs> like the um, the swirling vortex of uh, Ooh, yeah. dark energy and uh, Prince of Darkness. Literal antimatter, I think. In yeah, that yeah, I think it um, is, and it's basically Satan. Um, yeah, yeah. That is this month. That is Carpenter Month, folks. Um, we will uh, bring you one more. Uh, you're welcome uh, for that, and uh, it's uh, it'll be an interesting one. It uh, yes the uh, there's the month is uh, bookended by uh, similar movies. That's all I can say. The, yeah, that is true. That is true for sure. And um, anyone out there who does want to read my mind, it's a Carpenter movie I haven't seen. So you could theoretically, uh, by process of elimination, again, if you could read my mind, like the kids in, <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but one more thing we should mention. Uh, what is interesting is next month we're doing guest month again. Yes. Um, and we do have our, our guests lined up, most of them anyway. And we have some really good guests that I am excited to work with. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, really excited for the guests and the films uh, and the, the discussions we will have with those guests about those films, of course. Yep. Um, so yeah, so with that, we, we leave the village of the Dan behind much like David did. And, um, <laughs> all right, folks. See you next week. See you then. <laughs>